Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Coming up, Alberta Premier Danielle Smith and I discuss the Sovereignty Act, standing up for the unvaccinated, reforming health care, and lots more. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Hello and welcome. This is Canada's most irreverent talk show, The Andrew Lawton Show, here on True North. A special weekend edition of the program. I think it's special. It's certainly rare. We don't normally assemble on the weekend, but uh, we had an episode that we wanted to share with you immediately because we know that through the week, uh, much of the show is dominated by the Public Order Emergency Commission. And it is focused on Alberta politics, which has not just been under the national microscope in the last couple of weeks, but I'd say the international microscope where Premier Danielle Smith has hit the ground running after winning the UCP leadership race and being sworn in as premier. She's had a lot of interest from around the world in her comments on the Alberta Sovereignty Act, putting Alberta's interests first, and also her comments standing up for the rights of the unvaccinated, something we haven't heard a lot of. And you may have seen she made this apology, which I think was unprecedented by a Canadian leader. I'm I'm deeply sorry for anyone who was inappropriately subjected to um, discrimination as a result of their vaccine status. I'm deeply sorry for any government employee that was fired from their job because of their vaccine status. And I welcome them back if they want to come back. All of this has put, I think, a very sharp focus on what's happening in Alberta, a province that is going to the polls again in May of next year. So a pretty short runway for Premier Smith once she gets a seat in the legislature, assuming she wins her by-election in Medicine Hat in a few weeks' time. Now, I want to say right from the outset that covering Danielle Smith is a bit of a different situation for me than a lot of the other politicians that I've covered and reported on, because I've known Danielle for many many years. We used to work for the same company. I guest hosted for her. I've appeared on panels alongside her. And while I'm not partisan and was not a a supporter of her campaign, I have known her and have a very good rapport with her. Now, I still think that I can rise to the challenge of asking the tough questions, but I want you to be aware of the context before anyone pulls it up as some sort of gotcha, when I've always been quite candid with the fact that I've known Danielle Smith. uh, But at the same time, she's a professional in her role. I'm a professional in my role. And we move from that point. So with that out of the way, it's my great privilege to welcome to her first interview on True North since becoming Alberta's Premier, uh, Premier Danielle Smith. Premier, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on today and congratulations. Good to talk to you too. Remember when you used to sub in for me on Chorus Entertainment? I wonder if there's any opportunity for you to sub in for me on this role. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're on vacation. If I like automatically become acting premier now, I'd have to check the uh, the constitution on that one. I'll and, check with my staff and see what the protocol <laughs> list looks like. <laughs> If called upon, I will serve, I believe, is the uh, the, the old line. Uh, this has been a very, very accelerated timeline. Obviously, you, you win the leadership, you're the premier, you have a new cabinet assembled, you're in the process right now of getting a seat in the legislature. And uh, once you get in, assuming you get in, you're only going to have a, a pretty short runway before next year's election. So explain to me uh, what the priorities are and, and how much can you actually get done in that time before Albertans are back to the polls. Well, we we will have a fall session, so that's going to be important. And I want to make sure that we make meaningful progress on the things that I campaigned on. So you you will see a Sovereignty Act come forward. You will see a change to the Human Rights Code come forward as well. But the main thing that we'll be focusing on starting pretty soon here is uh, restructuring of Alberta Health Services. 
we in Alberta took a bit of a different path to some of the other provinces. Some of the other provinces have regional boards. We moved to a single house super board and it's underperforming. I think we saw that during COVID and they seem to be incapable of being able to address the local needs in each community. And it's not really fair to ask a, 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 an appointed board of directors to do that major restructuring. That's the work of the health minister, that's my work. And so what we're going to be working on addressing some key issues in healthcare make sure that we have an effective ambulance service. Right now it isn't. Make sure we've got an effective uh, system once people arrive in emergency to get admitted to hospital if they need to uh, be admitted or to get treated if they need to be treated and sent on their way. And then we also have to make sure that we're using all of our facilities. And we've got 106 hospitals in the system to, to do enhanced surgical initiatives to start clearing the infrastructure or the uh, surgical backlog. So those are the things that we'll be working on immediately and, and hoping to make some meaningful progress for, for patient care before the end of the year. I know that the health spending account, one of the, the key hallmarks of, of your campaign insofar as health policy is concerned, and something you and I have spoken about in, in the past, it's long before your, your return to politics, is something that you've put forward here. Is this something that you would expect to move on before the election, or is this part of something you would put to voters next spring? I, I want to move on it before the next election again. I have a different process because I, I recognize that there's a difference between the things that you campaign on and then also getting caucus buy-in. And I don't want to be the kind of leader that dictates policy. I want to make sure that uh, our caucus is comfortable with the decisions that that I that I make. And to do that, you have to make sure that you've got a pretty inclusive process. So I met with all of our my MLAs one-on-one. -on -one. I we we're having a we have regular caucus meetings, and we're starting a new process so that when we bring ideas forward. The, the MLAs are not caught by surprise for it because the first time they see it is in the legislature. They're going to be involved in the development of that. I feel like I've got some pretty good buy-in from caucus, but we, uh, we're going to have to go through a, a, a process to make sure that we can get it into, into the budget. So it wouldn't be an immediate a decision we could make in the fall because there are huge, quite significant budget implications to it. It's, it's something that I'd be looking to do when we release our budget in the spring. I know that the Sovereignty Act was something that you became a bit of a punching bag over from the media and also your opponents in the leadership race. And I don't want to rehash that because I think you have defended it very clearly. But I'll ask you about how you'll manage that from a caucus perspective, because you now have people in your cabinet that raised very serious concerns and opposition in the leadership race to that. Will there be a free vote from your caucus and from your cabinet on the Sovereignty Act when you put that forward? Well, here's the here's the approach that I've taken so far is that we brought through a, a team of experts, in, including a, a retired Supreme Court judge, uh, several um, several constitutional lawyers, to give us advice on how to craft that in the way I intended it to be crafted. I think maybe some of the miscommunication happened around the idea that it came forward from a policy think tank who had one conception of how it could be implemented. But I know as a political leader, I have to make sure that I pass legislation and craft legislation that can get caucus support that is constitutional. And so my conception of the, uh, the Sovereignty Act was to assert all of our areas of jurisdiction in the constitution. And we had a really good, robust discussion at caucus about this, where I, I read out what the constitution says in, in, in section 92, section 92A, it talks about how we have the exclusive right to pass uh, legislation in, in our core areas of jurisdiction. I, I think uh, perhaps 
what I'm doing is helping people to really reassess how our country works and versus how it's supposed to work. We, we were never supposed to be a subordinate level of government to the, the national government. We've acted that way and we're going to stop acting that way. So, so I think once people understand that really what this is about is going back to the original intention of our founders when they crafted those sections of the constitution and as a signatory to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, ensuring that we defend our, the rights of our citizens, I, I think what I'm putting forward is grounded in our foundational documents. It's just we haven't been really very faithful to how, it's been, to how our country has operated in the last number of years because we've got a federal government that constantly invades our jurisdiction. We're not going to let them do that anymore. I take from that that you're working on smoothing over the opposition that might exist within your caucus, but the question will be for people that are not supportive of that idea, is it going to be a whipped vote or a free vote? I, all of the votes are going to be free votes. I think that in the Westminster parliamentary tradition, we know that that cabinet has has different, a higher standard of, um, of, need to to be with the government agenda and so just uh we i talked it over with all of my cabinet members so that they knew that a sovereignty act was coming forward i i have no doubt that i'm going to get the uh, the support of my cabinet and if there are still some lingering concerns within our caucus i want to be able to address those and but ultimately all of the legislation that we have will allow for somebody who has a um, a severe objection to be able to express that in uh, in the legislature but i think it's my job as a leader to address those concerns in advance. And so we will be working very hard over the, the coming weeks to make sure that we, we can address all of those concerns. And I, I would hope that everybody will come on, on board with the approach that, I'm, that, I'm, that I intend to take. Let me ask you about your cabinet. You made some changes, obviously. I wouldn't say it was anything too radical. You've moved some people around, but I think generally speaking, the, the people that we've seen in cabinet in the past still are there, and you've uh, put many of your, almost all of your leadership opponents in cabinet as well. You were, I think, very sincere when you made an apology on behalf of the Alberta government, as I took it, to uh, unvaccinated people that have faced significant discrimination at uh, the hands of, of the Alberta government in the past. Pastors were arrested in Alberta. Well, the man who's now your deputy premier was the minister of justice. The lockdowns and vaccine passports came in place under uh, Tyler Shandro, the health minister at the time, who, who's now your, your justice minister. So how do you account for what you've said before returning to politics and as premier about that era of Alberta's history and, and the positions that these people are in now? Well, it goes back to the previous conversation that we had that when you're part of a, a government, you have to publicly take a view that supports the government decisions. But I can tell you there were some knockdown drag out fights that happened behind the scenes in caucus and in cabinet. And I think that Minister Madhu has very openly, uh, he, wrote, he wrote a column on this, in fact, at, in I believe it was the Western Standard, talking about his uh, his opposition to the decision to arrest pastors and how he supports religious freedom. And I think you may recall that there was a change in the um, health minister as soon as the restriction exemption program came in. I haven't had a chance to talk to Minister Shandra about that, but I, I think that that gives you some indication that, um, that, that, that there may have been some disagreement on certain key areas about how the that that was rolled out. That that's my implication that I take. I know that um, we're at a position now, especially after the freedom convoy took place. Uh, Alberta has really been at the lead in pushing uh, away, pushing ahead to to truly treating COVID as endemic. 
And I think that there is widespread support to, especially that developed over the leadership campaign, that we don't want to go back to the kind of world that we had a year ago. We want to make sure that we're going forward, protecting our most vulnerable in a different way, because we know fall respiratory virus season happens every year. We know it's dangerous to certain members of our society, but we can't be punishing kids. We can't be punishing business owners. We've got a, pro a problem managing surge capacity in our health system, then that's what we have to address. And so I think that uh, everybody is of the same mind on that. Mistakes were made along the way. It was a, a case of a, a lot of bad information, in my opinion, from our public health officials. And that's part of the reason why Alberta Health Services is in my sights, is that we trusted them. They were, we, we were told we had to listen to the experts and they let us down. And because they've let us down, now it's time for some, some, major, some major accountability and also some major reforms in how they operate. So when you say no more lockdowns, no more restrictions, vaccine passports are a thing of the past, you're confident that uh, members of your cabinet, even those that might have been involved in, in previous iterations of that, are, are behind you? 100%. I can tell you that during the course of the leadership campaign, we were asked that question along the campaign trail, and every leadership candidate said the same thing. No, no more lockdowns. So I think that there has, has definitely been a shift in public opinion in our province. Maybe it's not as, uh, as stark in other provinces, so, but, it, but certainly in, in our province, there has been a shift that we really do need to, to treat this uh, particular disease and virus as endemic, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to make that shift. Have you heard from anyone in any other provinces, not necessarily premiers, perhaps uh, MPPs or, or MLAs in other provinces that are interested in, in taking things that you've done, whether it's on sovereignty or on amending the, the Human Rights Code and perhaps uh, bringing them outside of Alberta? I, I, I had somebody send me a note because they were at the PC convention in Ontario last week, and which sadly was happening at the same time as ours. Premier Ford had invited me to come out and I wasn't able to because we were at our own convention, but uh, Premier Mo was there as well as Premier Houston, as well as Premier Higgs. And I, I gather from the feedback that I got is that everybody is very much talking about ways in which we can coordinate together to push back against Ottawa, how we can take more autonomy and more authority over our own areas of jurisdiction. I think a few things will emerge. Number one will probably be around issues of immigration and making sure that each of us have the ability to attract workers from abroad that match the needs of our local market. I know that we've already seen that in Quebec and Manitoba. We're talking about that in Alberta and other provinces are too. Uh, I think as well, uh, you've seen that we've taken a position on uh, a COP27 that we've got to be at those international forums to defend our industry ourselves and to talk about alternatives and ways that to reduce global emissions in a way that doesn't harm our economy. I, I think that you'll see that uh, there, there'll be other premiers that will be taking more of a lead rather than letting Ottawa represent their interests internationally because Ottawa doesn't do a particularly good job of it. Uh, mm -hmm. I will also be working with, um, with premiers uh, Scott Moe and, and Heather Stephenson, hopefully quite closely on a number of issues. I already see this, that uh, Premier Moe and I agree on fighting back against the federal government on fertilizer mandates that are arbitrary, on gun confiscation, which is also arbitrary. But I'd like to work with them in partnership to see if we can uh, partner with our First Nations and Métis to develop an economic corridor to Churchill. So I sent them a letter asking if they'd be interested in, ha and, in having um, um, uh, Premier Stephenson host us in Churchill so that we can understand some of the implications there if we were to work together to develop that corridor and the infrastructure along with it. So I'm hopeful that we can get that together in the in the coming months as well, because those are the kind of partnerships that I, I think that we would we would really all be able to benefit from. 
Uh, one thing I have to point out, and I think it was a combination of, of your comments in your address at the uh, UCP AGM and also your apology to the unvaccinated. I've had people from other countries that have been reaching out to me saying, who's this Danielle Smith person? Who's this? And then when they find out I've known you for many years, they get very impressed with me. So thank you for that. But uh, th there's been a global interest in some of the things you're talking about. And I, I was wondering, first off, if you'd seen that and, and what you make of it, even if your constituency is Alberta. Well, my, my constituency is Alberta, and I think that's maybe that's why my my comments resonated is that I, I said that I take my marching orders from Albertans and every decision I make is going to be in the interest of Albertans. I think that there has been a lot of interference in our local decision making from our public health agency, from the federal government. And that stops. We're just we're just a different uh, place in Alberta. We believe in freedom. We believe in free enterprise and entrepreneurship. We believe in developing our resources and getting them to market. We we, we believe in, in in community, in in and being able to to make decisions in the interests of our local communities. And, may, and maybe that's what's resonated that people are starting to say, hmm, you know what? I, I want my politicians to do the same thing in my country or my jurisdiction. So if, if people uh, if that provide some inspiration to others so that they can really get back to what democracy is supposed to be about, which is is meeting the needs of people close to home, the people who elect you, then uh, you know I'm, I'm happy to, to continue to, to provide that leadership. But th those are where my marching orders come from, is that I will always put Alberta first. I don't think anybody doubts that now. And that means that from time to time, it's going to put us in conflict with the federal government who has quite different aspirations. Uh, there was a, a New York a court decision that came out uh, a few days back uh, that said anyone who was fired for a vaccine mandate should receive back pay. Is that aspect of it something you would like to see in an Alberta response, uh, retroactive pay for time that these people would have been working had they not been put out of work because of the mandate? I, I certainly saw that that uh, court decision, and I suspect that we're going to see more court decisions along those those lines. I, I want us to be at the lead in making amends for some of the harms that were caused over the last two and a half years. So I would have to uh, consult with my uh, with the different departments to find out how many staff would have been in that position. How many did return to work? Because a number of them did return to work, and what what the cost implications of that would be. But we. I, I think that the, the court uh, the court judgment is, is pretty clear. We've got to be mindful of that. Uh, uh, and also businesses here have to be mindful of that as well, that I'm still hearing that there are, are some organizations that are requiring those kind of mandates. And I think that that, that is a, the first of what might be several court decisions that end up causing a, a, a rethink on what has happened over the last two and a half years. So I, I, I want to make sure that I'm doing things sort of in a legally appropriate way. And so I, I'm just going to wait until I get that that legal advice but I, I suspect we're going to see more judgments like the one we just saw Premier Danielle Smith thank you so much good to talk to you again yeah my pleasure we'll do it in it will, I'm sure we'll do it again thanks Andrew that was Alberta Premier Danielle Smith here on the Andrew Lawton show got to wrap things up there but my thank you to all of you for tuning into this special weekend edition of Canada's most irreverent talk show back from Ottawa next week where I will be covering the Public Order Emergency Commission, so you won't want to miss that. There's been uh, some developments in the last couple days uh, that we'll have to update you on, and then lots more in the week ahead. So thank you so much. Have a great rest of the weekend, everyone. God bless you, and good day to you all. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.